Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoy today's safety talk. And I want to welcome our presenter today, Al Abel. Many of you have had the opportunity to meet him. Those who haven't are in for a treat today. We're very excited about his presentation. And uh, Al, I'm going to let you take it over from here and talk a little bit about what you do and uh, your company that you work for. Uh, great. Hey, uh, thank you very much. First of all, the Mazella Company, we're, we're a Cleveland-based company. We're right out by the airport in the Cleveland area. And anybody who's on this call today, just want to say, you know, please keep in mind, you know, obviously when we, what training has sure, sure changed, you know, like the frustration of not being able to actually see you today when you do these virtual training and all that stuff. It's so different because so much of what we do when we do our training class, a lot of hands-on. And actually, in today's climate, you know, everything that I railed against for all these years of never allowing anybody to sit in the back of the room, uh, you know, always wanted to bring people up close. Uh, now, you know, being able to have everybody hold on to, you know, some chains and rigging gear and hardware, you know, now that's all gone because now you want people further away and don't touch my stuff. So um, it's different. But you know what? The, the message is still the same. You know, it's all about trying to make sure we do things in a safe manner. I do want to encourage people, if you check out our company, we do have a lot of good resources. So the people around this call today, if you think anything I say today that you just think, well, I'd like to have a little more information. If you go to our website, we have just great information. And that's one thing on these webinars and, and downloads and things like you see up on the screen. We have such a wealth of knowledge really at the fingertips because we do have videos and blogs and, and a lot of free downloads. So if people go to that, they can check it out. When you look at things like this, you know, is your rigging inspection program OSHA compliant? You know, I heard you mentioning earlier about you talk about the OSHA violations. Well, I tell you what, everything else has changed, but that's one thing that's increasing kind of like gas prices, I think, you know, but the violations are, are still out there. And so uh, anybody who's done this call, you got to be doing stuff the right way. And that's why we kind of called it rig it right, is that, you know, I can only speak for right now, like the cranes and rigging gear and hardware. That's our world. Our company, we build cranes. We build everything below the hook. You know, what's going to hold on to that load? And so that's our world. And we try to provide information to support that effort. What I'm hoping to do in this little quick session here is that we'll uh, have everybody do a rigging plan. I know uh, the uh, Portage County uh, Council Group sent out, uh, we did have a little uh, a flyer that went out, uh, worksheets that went out, and I will tell you even what was sent out by Mike, I believe, is that it, it could be very helpful to you. One of the sheets even talks about, hey, you can go on our website, and uh, if you sign in and register, uh, we'll mail you a free travel mug. So uh, even though normally I only do that for people sitting through an hour, two hours of me, 30 minutes, I don't know. We might just send you the lid. You know, I'm not sure we'll send you the whole coffee cup. But but if you go on our website and register, I think we'd be good to go on that. Uh, we do have a worksheet we included in there. Plus, we have some um, rigging information. We have some inspection criteria sheets that would be very helpful to people that are out there in the, uh, the rigging world. What the heck is this thing called rigging? Rigging is supporting or manipulating an object. And again, I would assume that a lot of people that are on the call today have a crane, have a hoist hanging in their company, and then they're going to lift the load. A lot of companies don't have cranes, but then they have forklifts out there. You know, and that forklift certainly is lifting loads. 
Uh, we kind of look at a forklift. If you put a boom on that forklift and then all of a sudden you make that forklift into a crane, well, now you got a crane. And so everything I talk about here today, it's all about supporting and or manipulating an object. All right, now, hey, you know what? Just even think about this. Some Many of you are have children at home, and I have grandkids. And uh, all I can tell you is my grandkids keep getting, I don't know what happens to me, I mean, but they're getting older. And uh, and they're getting heavier, and so and then this crane here, me, I'm I'm getting to be older, and so I'm an old crane. So I have to think about how I support or manipulate, you know, hold up that object, even you know, and how that load has changed over the years. So uh, let's take a look at what we got. Overhead lifting is a special event, and I'm sure people in the shops don't think of it that way, but you know what, it is. And uh, when you lift that load up. You better give it some respect, and uh, and risk is created every time you do lift that load off the ground, and uh, and that's what we really want to talk about here uh, this morning slash into the afternoon. What's risk? You know, we we don't want any dice rollers out there, uh, and a dice roller is somebody who's going to put somebody in harm's way, and uh, and then we want to talk about how do you avoid that. More people, the BWC knows this, more people are injured while moving materials than performing any other function in a shop, in a facility. I do remember, you know, one time when I was in the early years of BWC, I, I uh, went for an ergonomic grant, and I remember I was in a training session, and I was, I thought I was with all these other people in the manufacturing world, and I was surprised to learn here I had a lot of people that were from hospitals and nursing homes because they were moving people. And uh, and they were worried about getting injured while moving a person, which was certainly a risk in a different way than what we're kind of talking about here today. We talk about rigging as an art and a profession. If you don't rig a load properly, um, you know, somebody's going to get hurt. Training so important here, you know, and that is the responsibility of everybody online here today. It's all about training. You don't want companies like the BWC, companies like everybody who's online here today, you do not want to see a headline like this. Overhead sling causes injury, drop load pins somebody, worker dies when load falls. A lot of common rigging problems we see out there is people, um, you know, hurting their hands, injuring their fingers. All you have to do is Google crane accidents and you'll see um, a lot of examples of uh, some crane accidents that have occurred out there. Kind of like what you see in the background, even on this PowerPoint slide, where you see a, uh, an accident that that has occurred. I tell you, I go out to companies every day. You know, you know, we certainly had that kind of pause for a while where we were not visiting companies. I'm kind of slowly find ourselves getting back in. Obviously, doing all the proper protocol, but what I don't like to see when I go out to companies where people have no idea what they're picking up, um, companies won't buy them what they need. Uh, we never want to hear somebody say a bad sling caused an accident because that bad sling, what, should have never been used. Okay, what was it doing out there? I was just at a company yesterday that there could be dinosaurs walking around in that place because uh, they have not changed a lot of ways that they've been doing things. And there's no such thing as, oh, that was grandfathered in and uh, that's okay and we made it here and stuff like that are not good things to hear. Everybody on this call, you definitely know this word today. I mean, COVID has certainly taught us all the word risk management. You know, now I'm hearing people talk about double masking and all this. I mean, it's all about risk management. What steps do I need to take to reduce the chances of a problem, a failure, or an accident? And so today we're talking about 
cranes, rigging, and lifting. But anybody on this call, I think we can relate to risk management. In fact, the lady that was talking about the heart issues, um, she was talking about all these different risk management things that we need to take into effect uh, to make sure we live life in a safe manner. But let's talk about the cranes and rigging right here today. And we like to use that phrase, plan every lift. Every time you make a lift, there ought to be a plan in your head. In fact, on the worksheet that was sent out to everybody, uh, we did encourage and we say, hey, as a result of this little session here today, you should be able to plan a lift from start to finish. So let's see if we can make that thing happen. Even if you don't have the official uh, L.A.B.L. Mazzella worksheet, you know, you could have a sheet of paper or something on there. And let's see if you can come up with some of the things that ought to be on your you know, shopping list or on your risk management plan. Let's think about that as we go through this. So as we're getting ready to make a lift, you know, we got to think about what are the steps in our lifting plan? So let's assume it's another beautiful day at your facility and you're getting ready to lift up a, a plate of steel or a die or a, a big drum of material or a scrap bin. You know, you're about ready to make that lift. You're going to use a crane. You're going to use a forklift with a boom attached. You're going to use a gantry. You're going to slide that baby into place. You have a jib crane mounted on a post, you know, that's been inspected by you, right? Okay, by some, you know, reputable company has come in and inspected your slings and your hardware. What are the steps in this rigging plan? Let's go through what these things are. Now, see, if I was doing a class right now in front of you, if you come up with answers, I'd flip you some candy. I don't know. You're going to have to... Uh, Call me to get me bring some candy to your shop in order to make that happen. So, uh, but let's go anyway. All right. So, what are some of the steps? Here we go. First of all, the only one who should be touching anything, you know, OSHA does have a rule. ASME does have a rule that says anybody who's touching a crane, touches a, touching a piece of rigging gear hardware, must be trained. And they use that term competent and qualified to do the lift. Now, if you talk to some of my outdoor construction people, uh, you add one more word to that, and that is certified, okay? Right now, competent and qualified works for indoor crane world. Uh, certified is what happens in the outdoor crane world. What you see even in this PowerPoint slide, um, and by the way, I have some nice crane hand signal cards I can mail to you. If anybody emails me, after this and say, boy, could you send me one of the crane signal cards? I'll be happy to send you some for your people if that's something you would be interested in. But, you know, proper signaling, good communication is so important when you're making a lift. Um, and again, competent and qualified, certified. You know, what do the industry sta standards say? And ASME B30, ASME stands for what? American Society of Mechanical Engineers, the B30 standard. Somebody says, hey, what does OSHA say? You know, OSHA can't control all of this stuff that I'm talking about here today. So they rely on the ASME to drive the standard to make sure we're doing things in a safe manner. So everything I reference here today, there are standards to support this. So uh, if you have a hard time selling anything I'm saying on here today, just remember there are standards that support everything I'm about to say. All your equipment better be in acceptable condition with proper identification. In fact, I was just at a, a different company the other day. They bought a used spreader beam. The spreader beam looked pretty good, but hanging off that were some real pretty golden-like hooks looking real pretty, but they had this one word on there that made me cringe. It said, China. China is not a manufacturer. It's a country. 
And uh, bottom line is uh, not something you want to see on a hook. If you see any hardware around your place that says China on it, uh, please gather it up and dispose of it in a proper format. You should not have everything that you have in your plant, your facility, uh, better have a manufacturer's name on it, better have a serial number on it, better have a working load on there, better have all that information. Uh, you better know how much can that, better have the capacity on there. How much can that thing lift? That used spreader beam that somebody got, uh, had somebody had marked out it with like a magic marker and uh, as to what the capacity is. I didn't feel real good about that. I would not want to be happy lifting loads seeing that. Hey, I better know how much am I picking up? Like I was kidding you about the grandkids, you know, or your children and stuff. You better know what the weight of the load is before you start swinging somebody around. Um, if you are going to lift up a load in your facility, you better know, do your people, does your people know, do your people know how much the things weigh? That's one of the common things. Everybody assumes everybody knows how much everything weighs. Got to know how much things weigh. And you want to make sure when you're lifting up that load that you're going to have that nice balanced load. COG is so important. You got to take that hook and center it over the load, uh, making sure that you're properly connected to the load, and uh, so important. If you're off a little bit, uh, that's called side loading, uh, not a good thing for your crane. By the way, if I'm picking up my grandkids off to the side, that's side loading. I'm going to probably end up at the chiropractor because I'm going to, uh, you know, side load and I'm going to throw my uh, my spine off a little bit. So your crane is no different than you. You want to center that load directly over the load and then pick that load up in a nice manner. I'll tell you, we got a few slides coming up here. And uh, one of the big words, uh, in fact, three words I always like to think of when I'm doing training. It's all about inspection of your stuff. It's all about how am I going to connect to the load. And then it's also about protection. Am I going to protect those slings as they're being used? Like right now, you'll see in this picture... We got some web slings going around a piece of concrete. Now, can I do that? Sure. Yeah. But those two arrows are very important. The bottom arrow, actually, you worry about that sling cutting. And the top arrow, I worry about that sling abrading. Now, it's going to do that, but at least in this picture, we've tried to put some protection in there. If somebody says, boy, we tear our stuff up and we go through a lot of slings at our company, now, I'd like to say as a sales guy, I'm happy you're going through a lot of stuff, but that is not a safe way to operate. If you're tearing your stuff up, there's got to be some reason behind it. Notice, uh, you know, here's a big old crane lifting up a big old beam and uh, where those circles are, I got protection in place. I got some protection even on the side of that thing because maybe that thing is going to rub, rub on the side of something that could tear that up. A lot of people say, well, I use chain, I use wire rope, you know, it's so tough, it's hard. <laughs> you can still tear that stuff up, and so you want to protect your chain. Some of you that are, uh, you know, uh, hauling uh, boats around or trailers, you know, you always want to make sure, watch where your chain's going on that load. You want to make sure that it's not getting torn up in some way that's going to cause it damage. Uh, so we sell stuff. You can come up with your own forms of protection, but, uh, you know, we do have things in our catalog all dedicated to types of protection. Hey, what's the angle? Um, by the way, we do have a lot of nice lift guides available for people that talk about the angle of the lift. Um, and it's so important that, uh, you know, if that's another good thing that you've got to take into account because 
a lot of times, like you see right here in this picture, you have a, actually you have a chain sling on here, and it's uh, at a 60-degree pick, it looks like, on that, what they're picking up here, and uh, which is, we like 60, uh, but when you start stretching those slings out, uh, you got some issues. Like we're showing you here, angle, and by the way, when we do a training class in a facility, we spend a lot of time on sling angle, very important. Uh, when you start talking about 60, notice what happens to that sling here. We go from 60 to 45 to 30. I mean, notice in all three of these pictures, the load never changes, but the angle does, and that has great impact on what you're lifting up. So sling angle plays a huge role. Center of gravity, as we said. And then also, if somebody is lifting up a load, if, like as an example in this picture, they're using a sling, and they're using that sling right there in a vertical hitch. That looks pretty nice in that first picture, but what scares me a little bit in that first picture, maybe that beam might slide out, you know. So I got to think about, will the load, I got to keep asking myself in my lift plan, will the load be under control? Uh, is there any chance of this load slipping out? Uh, we recommend, if you uh, actually use things like this in your facility, Look at that. We've used, uh, we like going around that load twice. That picture on the right-hand side is what we call a double wrap hitch. And that way you have more sling contact on the load. Uh, it's all about load control. huh? And you got to keep asking yourself, what hitch is going to be the right hitch for what I'm doing? And again, these are the kind of things, depending on when we go out to a company, this is what you look at. How are they lifting the loads? How are you using a sling? And again, is it the right hitch for the environment you're in? Those are all things that come into play. Um, I had a question. Somebody emailed me the other day. They were very concerned about heat. How does heat apply? You know, so they're using, they're lifting up a load kind of in a vertical hitch. Um, but, you know, how much heat is that sling seeing uh, is another thing. So you're talking about the rigging environment, how that plays into effect here. Again, it's all about load control. You don't want to have that load swinging and swaying, uh, and you want to make sure you have good contact with the load. So important. So we have to kind of talk about, there's a lot of slides on here that kind of talk about all about slings capturing that center of gravity. I got to ask, is my load lift level, are things stable? They use that phrase tagline. What does that mean? A tagline is a line that can come off that load that really just prevents that load from uh, swinging. You don't want to have, you know, swinging somebody around on the dance floor is okay. You don't want to be having a load swinging on the uh, loading floor. Or, you know, when that load is going from the floor to the deck of a, a truck that's ready to take the load out, you don't want to have that load rotating in any way. So a lot of times a tagline is a good thing to use. We actually have a whole section in our catalog dealing with uh, hands-free devices. That's another one that's very important, too, because where are your hands when all of this stuff is happening here? And, you know, you got to ask yourself, is a tagline, is it appropriate here? What do I need to be using? Boy, another one, where are my people standing when I'm getting ready to lift that load up? You know, I want to make sure they're not in that danger zone. Um, you know, and again, I, you know, you, you can't see me right now, but if I had a can of spray paint, in my hand and that sprays down in the ground that's a very isolated spot but man if i raise that can of spray where's that spray going well you can imagine you know if you've ever used spray painting around your house you know when you have a very isolated spot 
you can get it done pretty well. But boy, if any wind is there, anything else happens, and the higher you take that spray away from the thing you're spray painting in your garage, the more issues. It's you know all of a sudden you notice, hey, how'd the dog get paint on him over there? You know, so, okay. Well, same thing happens with a load. The higher you raise that load, you really create a bigger danger zone for what you're lifting. So important. Another one is environmental conditions certainly play a huge role. You know, heat, the extreme cold uh, certainly plays a role uh, in some of your lift. So what are we saying? Hey, remember, 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 remember. Hey, you didn't know you were going to get songs in it today, but hey, remember what? Cranes are designed for vertical lifting. You are like that crane in that first one there, okay? And a crane is going to lift that load straight up. We don't want to be side-loading that. Think of you lifting up a load. Side-pulling and end-pulling are improper lifts. So your crane that you have in your facility are designed for that vertical lift. Straight up, straight down. Uh, pay attention to what you're doing. Uh, perform every lift so that if there's a failure, no one gets hurt. In other words, if you have a good rigging plan in there, uh, and, you know, if something bad happens, then no one would get hurt. That would be a good risk management plan. Keep your hands clear, no pinch points. You know, slowly raise the hook, proper hand signals. I always like that phrase, respect the load, so important. And what's your responsibility? It's all about inspection, huh? You know, annual, having a company come through, go all, through all your stuff. If you have gang boxes at your company, have somebody go through the gang box. And by the way, you'd want to make sure that certainly anybody who's using any of that stuff, absolutely it's their responsibility every day to make that inspection. And then annually, you should have a, somebody certified going through all your stuff, and then that way you have a good record of everything you have. And you want to make sure you're connecting things properly and uh, you're not modifying things in any way. And again, there's really three types of inspection, huh? Um, and if I sell you a sling today, it's always that initial inspection. Hey, is this what I ordered? Is this what I bought? Uh, and then annually, you want to make sure somebody's going through your stuff. And uh, it's so important. By the way, one of the worksheets that we sent out to everybody, it has a uh, the inspection of rigging hardware and inspection of slings. And if you receive that, that, that is a great tool because everything on the sheet that we sent out, and by the way, if I'm saying something right here and you go, I didn't get a sheet, well, then, you know, email me and we'll make sure getting you whatever information you need. But if you're looking at your hardware, we're talking hooks, eyeballs, shackles, anything you're hooking, you know, what are you looking for? When would you get something out of service? Well, excessive wear, that China hook I was talking about, if it's deformed in any way, cracks, nicks, modifying it. Well, I'll tell you what, sometimes people think they, you know, I go to companies sometimes and go, hey, we got some good welders here, and they weld their own handle on something. Once you modify it, it's all yours. So all bets off. So you want to make sure your hardware's in good shape. Your wire rope slings. Some of you have wire rope slings hanging up. If you have any wire rope slings, I always remember going to a company one time and they go, they were so proud of how they had all their wire rope slings hanging up. And as I looked up, I said, well, where's the tag on those things? You know what? And you know what? They were hanging them up real nice, but they'd had them for so long, the tag had come off. So that sling is no good. If it has no identification on it, it has no way of knowing what that sling can do. 
the first thing when you look at anything I talk about here today, if there's no tag on it telling you who made it, uh, it would fail an inspection. And uh, so please keep in mind, if you would ever get audited, if there would ever be an accident or injury, uh, and they would look at your stuff, and if you have no tag, you know, uh, that would be bad news. Broken wires, kinking, crushing, bird caging. Now, when we do a class, like right, you know, if I was uh, in front of your room right now, I'd be able to hold up some of this stuff. But you can just imagine what we're talking about based on those descriptions. Chains things way more durable, tough to ruin chain, but people do. And they stretch it, they bend it, that tag comes off. Or that tag can't, you know, notice you got that tag off to the side on that. If that tag is not re- readable or legible, then it's like having no tag. Okay. If you went to Dick's Sporting Goods and you were looking for a nice golf shirt and you looked at it and it had no tag, tell me you'd be buying that thing. No, you'd be putting it back going, or maybe uh, knowing Mike, he'd probably be taking up there, you know, trying to get a deal on it, you know, since it had no tag, you know. So, uh, all right, web slings. These things are made of nylon or polyester material. Huh? They're a great lifting sling. I watch that show a lot on the um, – uh, the Alaska Highway, you know, and uh, those guys are always uh, bringing the uh, cars and trucks that have fallen off the road and are always, if you watch that show, what are they using to bring those things back up on the highway? They're using their uh, winches on the uh, on their trucks, and they are wrapping that thing around with web slings and round slings. And those things are amazing in the in the temperature world that those guys are using them in. But I hope they're inspecting them, looking for any kind of caustic burns, melting, charring. Obviously, these things can get holes, tears, cuts in them. And, uh, and again, no tag, no use. Round slings, they use a lot of those on that show. A lot of round slings. Why? They're light. They're easy to use. Being an old crane, I appreciate slings like this. I don't like chain and wire up too heavy for me. You know, but uh, it all depends on the environment, you know, that they're in. That's really what has a great bearing on it. All right, I'm going to take a deep breath and say, you know, if you have a plan, you know, what are the steps here in our rigging plan? This is the wrap up. You know, you got to make sure you're doing what? Got to make sure you're doing your inspections. And again, if you say, ah, you know, we do it in-house. Well, that's fine. If you say, hey, we do our own stuff in-house, but have your in-house people been trained? Can you prove that they've been trained to do the inspection? Do they know what they're looking for? And again, that's something we can provide for you. Like all our people that go out and do inspections are all certified inspectors of rigging gear and hardware. That's a three-day class. And they're tested each day on everything that I just put up on the screen. You're tested on wire rope, tested on chain, tested on below the hook, and so on. Are you going to protect your slings? If you're using synthetic slings around stuff, sharp things like this, you've got to protect them. All right? If you do all that, you will take the wrong, like you see right there. How'd you like to be around when a load like that came down? Because what? Somebody did not protect that sling, and that sling got cut like that. And so um, any sling like that, what we say, slings like that, must be protected against edges, corners, protrusions. If you do all of what we just showed you here, if you do your inspections, you have a good lift plan, you do your inspections. You protect your slings. You'll take the wrong and make it right. Oh, yeah. And then plus, uh, you know, you get to hold a sling like this. And then we like using that phrase, plan every lift. So 
even though you couldn't see me today, imagine my mouth moving. My mouth has been moving for uh, about 30 minutes here. So that's me. That's my little, uh, my phone number and our website and so on. And, uh, we have a lot of good information on our website. So, um, check us out. And then, uh, at this point, I'm kind of done, but if you have some questions, I'd be glad to take on any questions. Hey, Al, I just had one, uh, one comment kind of come from the, uh, from one of the people listening said, uh, they have forklifts with attachments and they're using those as cranes. So I didn't know if you wanted to talk about that a little bit since we've got a little of that going on. Absolutely. You know, well, I'd say that's a very common thing. And all I can say is when you take a forklift and you put a, a, a hook on that, or you put a boom on that, that hook, that boom now becomes your crane. And so that boom, that hook that's on there must have a latch that must be rated and it must be attached to that forklift in a proper manner. Um, I was at a company years ago where a guy had a serious injury because what they did was they took a sling and threw it around the fork with no connection to it. It was just hanging on the fork and then they were lifting up, you know, large tubing and uh, with no attachment on that fork. It was just sitting on that fork. And so, you know, that is not a proper way. That would not be a proper lift. They're using that forklift to lift the load, yes, but now they're really asking it to be a crane. And so now we start talking about proper connection to the load and there better be a some stop on that forklift to make sure that that sling does not slide off in any way. So, uh, yeah, if you take that forklift and start making that into a crane, you got yourself a crane and uh, all rules apply. All right. Also, Al, I have a couple questions um, that I just throw out. I think these are, I label them as common issues that I see when I go out to job sites, at least when we were out visiting companies. And I just thought it'd be a great opportunity for you to speak on these. The first being eyeballs. I see so many eye bolts being used, especially in molds, for moving and lifting molds, them either not being set properly, no weight rating, or maybe not even long enough or too long for the molds. So can you talk a little bit about eye bolts and the requirements there? Oh, baby, baby, eye bolts. Yeah, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, people love their eye bolts because they're very, uh, uh, very cost effective. I mean, they're inexpensive. Uh, people buy all these eye bolts from uh, companies. And then people go, now, one of the things that eye bolts are one exception where they, you know, you may not see the working load on that eye bolt, but you know what? That does not mean, oh, now I don't have to worry about it. No. If you're a company and your people are using eye bolts, it is your responsibility to make sure from your distributor, whether you have Chicago eye bolts or whatever, Actec eye bolts, whatever eye bolt you have, you've got to have a chart up there telling your people what a half inch, a three quarter. What is that rated for? So there's so many eye bolts out there that, and eye bolts sometimes are pretty small. It's tough to put the working load and all that on there. So yeah, they may not have the working load on there, but you must know what that eye bolt can do. Now, one of the other problems is a lot of people use non-shouldered eye bolts for making a lift. If they're using a non-shouldered eye bolt, that eye bolt can only be used in a vertical lift. And so somebody goes, well, yeah, that's what we do. But, you know, but then they're using two of them and they got one crane with one thing. Wait, well, they got an angle. And so if that eye bolt is seeing any angle, that is not a true vertical lift anymore. 
So now they'd have to be using a shouldered eye bolt, and that shoulder of the eye bolt must be shouldered all the way into the load. Absolutely. So people, you got to make sure they're ordering the right thing, shouldered into the load. And then obviously, even on a shouldered eye bolt, somebody said, well, now I use the shouldered eye bolt. Can I use, can I side pull that? Not all shouldered eye bolts are rated for side pull. Some are. Uh, like a Crosby shouldered eye bolt. They'll even have a rating of it telling you how you have to derate the shouldered eye bolt based on the angle of the lift. So we really recommend wherever possible, um, people ought to be using hoist rings or swivels. That eliminates that whole problem of side pull. But the eye bolts are one of the most violated piece of rigging gear out there. And, um, and a lot of people are using them. So what you're seeing out on your, when you're doing uh, site survey field work, uh, I see it every day. People have a bazillion eye bolts. Plus, when we come out and inspect them, people hide them, you know, hide the eye bolt. And again, any deformation, any bend in that eye bolt, obviously, uh, that eye bolt would fail in inspection. You know, the other thing I see out with the eye bolts that becomes a big issue, especially in the uh, industry using molds, is they're using the crane and the eye bolts to flip molds to, to take them, bust them apart, and then do repairs on it. And now yeah. you're getting that static hit on the line, and you're causing damage to the crane itself. And then the other thing that you see a lot of times, people, uh, you know, in that eye bolt might only have a one-inch or two-inch opening, and then they're trying to jam a, a three- or four-inch hook into that eye bolt, you know, and it's not seated properly in the eye bolt. So now you have tip loading. That hook, that load has got to be in the base of that hook. And a lot of times when people are taking that eye bolt, they're not lifting properly. They're just tip loading. They got that little tip going in there, and they say, well, that's good enough, and now they're flipping it. And then, uh, you know, you always, when sometimes people are flipping parts, you know what their uh, rigging plan is. Hey, step back. Look out. Here we go. And then you see dust and, you know, flying as they're flipping that part. That uh, would not be part of uh, the rigging plan we're referring to here today. And I think the last one, so the third common, we'll call it the top three issues I see when I'm out of job sites is inspections. So could you just highlight once again the requirements of the annual compared to the periodic, and who's even allowed to do those and how those have to be documented? Yeah, I mean, um, first of all, let me just say chain is the most regulated of all slings in the industry. A, a documented chain inspection must occur every year. So the annual inspection of chain documented must happen every year. And the only one who should be doing that are somebody who is certified to do that. And I would challenge if somebody says, oh, yeah, we have our crane guys do it, or, hey, my maintenance guy does it. Is he certified to do that? Has he been trained to do that as to look for, you know, the stretch deformation and so on? Now, obviously, you know, Al Abel, I'm working in your facility and I'm running a crane. It's my responsibility and my company ought to be insisting to make sure that when I'm using the chain that I'm going to look at it every, every time I use it. Keep your eye on your stuff. Now, the other slings, wire rope and web slings. They should be inspected also annually by a certified party. I mean, that just is good common practice, and that's a very inexpensive service that companies provide. We provide it. A lot of companies provide it. And, again, it should, you know, HSE people really appreciate a nice electronic report of all their rigging gear and hardware in their facility, making sure that it's living up to the standards that the ASME standards uh, recommend. But then, again, everybody on the shop floor, you got to be keeping your eye on your stuff. 
I'll tell you one other little side note is proper disposal of bad stuff is also a key too. If you find something bad, you don't want to just throw it in the dumpster because people will dumpster dive and take it to their, their little farm or their little place or throw it in the back of their trailer. And then, you know, in today's world of liability, you know, somebody, something bad happens. Somebody's going to say, hey, where'd you get that from? I got it from Mike at the BWC. No, no, we don't want to hear that. All right. Do we have any other questions come in, Renee? Um, there's more of a comment about switching or confusing imperial and metric um, eye bolts, you know, making sure we use the right ones. Do you have any tips for for that? Uh, the only tip I have is that, I mean, I, I probably have to do the same thing like anybody's using. I have to find out. You want to make sure, you know, if a part comes in, this is where, just like we talk about, you better check the working load or know the weight of the object. If you if somebody's got a, like a die coming in or something that has to be lifted, you better find out. You know, is the the uh, opening is it going to be for a standard eye bolt or a metric eye bolt? Because you'd want to make sure that you're using the right eye bolt for the right lift. And so, if I'm out at a company, or you know what, a lot of times I get companies going, ah, you know, I need a three quarter, I need you know six of these and eight of these. I got to say, are you talking about standard? Or are you talking about metric? You know. It's very important that people make sure that they're using the right thread pattern to engage the part, and uh, and people need to make sure that they need to check the engineer drawing, or you know check with somebody to make sure that you got the right part going into the right you know the right eye bolt going into the right hole, and uh, and again this is where you want to make sure people know the depth that you are putting that eye bolt in as well. You know, bottom line is you'd want to make sure because we don't want to have. I had somebody the other day; they bought some eye bolts and go, oh, you know, the ones you sold us were a little long, so they cut off what they didn't need. You know, that's called modification. Now that eye bolt is no longer belong to me; it's all yours. Put your name on that thing, and uh, would really be uh, important. So yeah, you, know, you just got to find. You know, want to make sure you're using the right part for the right thing that you're trying to lift. Well, thank right. you, Al, for uh, your presentation today. It was great as usual. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbeam, or Stitcher. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. To learn more about how your company can earn up to a 4% Ohio BWC premium rebate by becoming an active member of the Portage County Safety Council, please visit our website at www.portagecountysafetycouncil.wordpress.com. The preceding information is for entertainment purposes only. Views expressed may not reflect the views of any affiliated or sponsoring individuals or organizations. Listeners should carefully weigh information provided and seek advice from an appropriate professional before implementing. Listener discretion is advised.